Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology beard oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. Some people define poltergeist as a supernatural being supposedly responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being thrown around. Others define it as a crock of shit. Today we discuss one of the most infamous and documented cases, the Enfield poltergeist. The story centers around the Hodgson family living in Enfield, England in the 1970s. We'll recount the strange and terrifying occurrences that they and several others witnessed in their home. Was this a case of supernatural forces haunting the Hodgsons? Could the family, neighbors, numerous reporters, and even police officers be lying about what they experienced? And the burning question, is hypnosis real? Probably not. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of British ghost stories, stick around. This is Necronomapod, you bloody wanker. My brother and I were lying in bed in the back bedroom. We was chatting and that like we normally did. And we turned the light out and settled down to go to sleep. And we could hear this shuffling noise near the bedroom door. At the bottom of my bed stood a chest of drawers. And the chest of drawers started shuffling and it moved towards the door. And me and my brother joined we both sat up and was really frightened. And um, Mum came in with the light and she said, what's all this noise about? And we said, Mum, Mum, the chest of drawers is moving. All right, guys, so straight out of the gate tonight, our millions of fans seem to have fallen in love, and they all want to know, is Country Mike going to make a follow-up appearance tonight? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think he was invited tonight. I don't know how Country Mike works with, you know, we're going overseas tonight for right? the show to uh, London. First of all, Country Mike does not have a passport. <laughs> Let's be honest. He does not have a passport. So unless we're going to smuggle him over, I don't know, you know, if he's going to make it tonight. All right. So maybe at a maybe at a later date, Country Mike will come back. Perhaps, just, you're, hopefully you're, not. People have not been clamoring for Country <laughs> Mike. I, I disagree. <laughs> you have some adoring Country Mike fans at this point. <laughs> we'll get some Country Mike uh, T-shirts out there at some point. That guy can have his own little gimmick table. <laughs> Country Mike strong. All right, Ian, so we have a British uh, haunting slash poltergeist tonight. What do you got on tap here? Yeah, we're going to do the most well-documented, popular poltergeist story. And this is our first British story we've done, right? Yeah. Hence hence the opening. Right, obviously. (laughs) But our first one, we've done a bunch of obviously stuff here in the States. And then we've did a Chinese ghost marriage. Yeah. And now we're we're doing British. Russian dilettante We did We did Russia. Yeah. All right. And we haven't really touched on ghosts or anything like that, really. Right. Yeah. Like any hauntings. Right. Four countries, three continents. It's only been four months. Worldwide. And I I fully admit that English Dave is not as great as Country Mike, (laughs) so I apologize to everybody. That would be an interesting meetup, I think. 
English Dave and Country Mike. <laughs> I don't know if they'd have a Sounds lot like in common. Sounds like a folk music duo. <laughs> Someday down the line, we're going to have people, uh, we're, we'll do a whole episode of English Dave and Country Mike, <laughs> and maybe they'll just read like Shakespeare and, and poetry back and forth to each other. That would be great. <laughs> Someday when we get on Patreon, that's what we'll do. Yeah, there you go. Besides, I think Amityville Horror would probably be the the, mo- the most popular haunting. But long was, debunked, correct? Yeah, that, well, yeah. People are probably familiar with this from the plot of The Conjuring 2, but the big thing with that is Ed and Lorraine Warren were not involved in this like it's portrayed in that movie. Like the whole movie was about, well, not the whole movie, but a good portion of the movie was around them and their investigation. Right, because they were portrayed as the investigators. Right. Which, that was a good movie, wasn't it? I thought yeah, I remember I liking the Conjuring like series. I liked it. The it was, first one was really good. It was pretty scary. Yeah, I was I was telling Dave earlier. I always get like that and Insidious and Sinister, like all those groups of movies yeah. mixed up because they yeah. all came out about the same time. Right. But all all of those I think are really good. Sinister might be my favorite. I really like that's the one with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, where he's I like the writer. That. I like that. Oh, that was a terrifying movie. Really good. Yeah. yeah, it was good. So was the first Conjuring actually based on stuff the Warrens did? I believe so. Okay. I think the issue was Warner Brothers was running out of stuff because Amityville was theirs. Yeah. And they were running out of stuff that they owned the rights to, so they scrambled and just pieced together this one. But the only thing that the Warrens actually had involved in this was they showed up uninvited for one day, and Ed Warren did his basic, hey, let's make some money shit. He did interview the girl, right? Because I, I saw something on YouTube, and it was Ed Warren interviewing one of these girls. That's how it was labeled. From back then? Right? Yeah, from... Because I know Janet um, Hodgkins in the um, like the bonus stuff for The Conjuring 2 interviewed okay. for that. And she kind of looks like she's being forced to say, to say right. or, or being paid to say whatever well, sure. she's saying. But they, so the Warrens showed up there kind of uninvited, but didn't a lot of reporters kind of show up? Yeah, there's a ton of people that showed up for this. And like I said, Ed Warren just basically did his typical thing like with the Amityville. Like just, hey, let's make some money off of this shit. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Warren died just uh, last week. Yeah. A week or two ago. She's in her right. 90s. Yeah. She's no Vera Farmiga. She does yeah. not. It's interesting what uh, what Hollywood yeah. does to people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the the haunt. This one has the most credible witnesses of any any haunting. You know, they have the reporters, the police officers. Yeah, they're and, not secondhand accounts. They're eyewitness uh, accounts, and right. there's a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. The house was located in a government housing section in the London in a London suburb. Um, it was occupied by single mother Peggy Hodgson, age forty seven, and her four kids: Margaret, age thirteen; Janet, age twelve; John, age eleven; and Billy, age seven. The mood in the house was just like the perfect environment for a poltergeist to manifest. Peggy's husband had left the family not long before the activity started, and he got some like new, uh, new younger wife that he married. And then uh, the family was also living off welfare, which added to the stress. And the two daughters were going through puberty, which is a classic reason for a poltergeist to manifest. Why is that? I was yeah, that's what's it's like question. the emotions going along with it. Hmm. It's like stressful situations. Yeah. Allow the poltergeist to come in. Right. So the breakup of a marriage, the being on, on, on a government assistance. Right. And then two teenage girls going through puberty. Right. On like so there's a lot the, of stress in that house. Right. And then on top of the divorce, the dad was coming to the house to pay his child support in person with younger girls. Oh, so. it's nice. Yeah. 
Doesn't add to the stress level at all. Yeah, kind of like rubbing it in. So on August 31st, 1977, around 9.30 p.m., the kids Janet and John heard shuffling in their bedroom, and they said it sounded like someone was dragging their feet across the floor. Peggy came into their room, and all three of them heard four loud knocks. There you go. All right. (laughs) A chest of drawers moved forward a little more than a foot by itself. Peggy pushed the drawers back only to have them move again. And when she tried to move it back the second time, she was met with resistance. Like someone was pushing it back. Like she couldn't move it. Mm. And so they were, you know, understandably scared. Peggy went next door to ask help from their neighbors, the Nottinghams. And the Nottinghams are a, a pseudonym. That's not their, oh, their really? real names. Yeah. Oh. The guys that investigated this did a good job of keeping people's names anonymous that didn't want to be. I saw a video associated. on YouTube of those guys. The guy Playfair and. No, the neighbors. Are they avail? Are their names out now? I don't know. No, I'm, I don't remember it anymore. They had some uh, some nice British teeth. I remember that. <laughs> In the book, uh, he kept them. Yeah, kept their names. Secret. Yeah. Okay. So the Nottinghams was a made up name. Yeah. They couldn't have went with like the most British name ever. The Nottinghams. <laughs> <laughs> like that's. It's very fitting for the story, I believe. Vic and Gary Nottingham entered the house and found that they were followed around the house by these hollow knocking sounds. So it just sounded like they were going from the walls, the ceilings. Like there was no specific, like one spot. pinpoint where it was coming from. Right. Roving. They were completely stumped by what was going on. So they decided to call the police. And while one of the officers was checking the plumbing for a possible uh, source of the knocks, another officer along with everyone else in the room saw a chair start to wobble back and forth and then slid four feet across the room. Hmm. What's well, interesting... that's unusual. Yeah, well... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen that happen. Right. It's interesting. The police officer wrote a report about this chair moving. She had a lot of criticism from fellow police officers like making fun of her and shit, yeah. but she said she saw it and, and wrote it down. There's an them. interview with, uh, with her on YouTube as well. Really? Yeah. She seemed pretty adamant and, I don't know, yeah. trustworthy. Is that the one we saw? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was no crime committed, so there was nothing else to, to do, so they left, but that made the... She saw that chair bomb, and she's like, fuck this. <laughs> right. Let's go. No crime. Right. So then the, the poltergeist activity escalated, and you would assume that it's more, you know, if you're going off of that it's created by emotions, now they're scared, and they brought the police in, and it's just kind of escalating things. So do we think it's self-perpetuating? Like, you're raising the stress level, you're ramping things up, so it perpetuates the poltergeist even more? Is that what we're talking about? It seems like the more hostile and stressful the situation environment gets, the, the more aggressive the, right. the it, spirit gets. Like, it feeds on that based on anxiety. The story. Sure. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's not like a normal ghost, like... Uh, like it's not like a like a dead person. We're not talking about Casper stuff. here, okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, John's Legos and marbles started flying around the room by themselves. Peggy's father came over and picked up one of the marbles that hit the bathroom door, and he said that it was um, that it was hot after touching it. Three more days of marbles and Legos flying through the air. Peggy called the Daily Mirror hoping they would put her in touch with someone who could help her out. But instead, they sent out a reporter named Douglas Bentz and a photographer named Graham Morris. But nothing happened while those two guys were there. Did they tell them they had lost their marbles? (laughs) (laughs) 
But as soon as the reporters walked out, marbles and Legos started flying around the room again. The guys weren't even out to their car yet, and they ran out and said, you got to come back in here. The, as the photographer was taking pictures, a Lego flew at him and hit him in the forehead, and it was going fast enough that it left a bruise. This reporter said the only person that could have thrown it at him from that angle was the other reporter. That is a wild story. I'm trying to imagine the room with all this shit flying around. And Legos fucking hurt. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Did you ever step on a Lego or get hit with one? Yeah. Those things hurt. (laughs) The little freaking barbs hitting you. Right. Those are sharp motherfuckers. And that's the interesting thing about the Legos and the marbles is numerous people come over to, you know, had been there to witness it. And everyone said you couldn't. It was coming from angles that no one was, there wouldn't have been anyone to throw them from that angle. Still no video of it though, right? No, I don't believe so. Because mm, I looked. On September 7th, the Daily Mirror came back with a senior reporter named George Fallows. And according to Peggy, he was the first person to introduce her to the term poltergeist. Um, Fallows told Peggy that poltergeist activity often centers around girls going through puberty, which, believe it or not, Peggy did not know what the word puberty meant. <laughs> Peggy you learned a lot of P words on this day. <laughs> yeah. She's only 47. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she knew what it was. She just didn't know the, the technical term. The word puberty. What the fuck did she call it? I think. I don't want to know. I think I they called it flowering, if I remember correctly, which sounds, it's gross. That's a. It's all gross, man. <laughs> it's all gross. That would go all hand in hand with deflowering. So I guess so. I don't mean just the women. I just mean all puberty. It's all gross. It's a gross time for people. Yeah. They're always oily and greasy and nasty. You feel like you need to take a shower all the time. <laughs> Voice is changing. Yeah. I'm Country Mike. That's exactly, I think, probably how we sounded. If only he were here. I think, actually, he had texted me earlier that he was going, he was on a trip down in uh, Louisiana with Mr. Muggs. They were going to make their way down to New Orleans or some kind of big party. Muggs had a shirt that says, Mugs for jugs. He was all excited about wearing it down there. I don't know. Yeah, Hooters down there? Uh, Probably. Hooters are big in the South. So Peggy confirmed that her oldest daughter, Margaret, went through puberty the previous month and Janet was currently getting ready to, I guess. This George Fowles guy tried to trick her and asked if she wanted to try and get move houses because I guess at that time a lot of people in government housing were claiming that their houses were haunted to try and get a new house, but she said no. Huh. Or if they viewed that as a legitimate reason, they're like, all right, you can move. Yeah. You well, probably not after so many people. Right. Yeah. Maybe the first couple they did, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm on to you. Yeah, she said they lived there for 12 years, and she had no interest in, in leaving. Hmm. Fallow suggested Peggy contact the Society for Psychical Research to get help with the situation. Is that a legitimate organization? Yeah. Yeah, they've been around since sometime in the 1800s. Well, yeah. Huh. So investigators at the SPR, there was, wasn't anybody really quick to jump on to a poltergeist case until they got a new member named Maurice Gross to was, take it. Whereas poltergeist cases just like looked down upon or like no one wanted to fuck with that or... It sounded like no one wanted to deal with it just because of, you know, it's a lot different than a, a regular ghost from what I would assume. Hmm. 
So Maurice, he was a um, an inventor who gained interest in the paranormal when a series of what he viewed as meaningful coincidences happened following the death of his daughter, who was also named Janet, in August of 1976 from head injuries during a motorcycle accident. It, it sounded like he was almost looking for for things like there was. He thought maybe uh, water or rain would be a good sign because it was raining when she died, and then it rained mm. after he thought. Or after he thought of that. So people see what they want to see. Yeah. But he was drawn to this case and it was like another sign to him that the girl mainly going through this was named Janet, like his daughter. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So he he became a major part of their lives for the next 19 months. He almost lived there for almost two years doing this stuff. Did they mind him being there? No. no, There was no man of the house, so maybe it was kind of nice just having a guy there. No, they actually got really, uh, really close with him because there was one time that that janet took the tape recorder out of the room like fucked with it and she said something along the lines of that she didn't want him to leave so that's why she was fucking with it to try and get him to stay and you've seen maurice what he looks like yeah he's straight the grandpa from willy wonka yeah (laughs) i mean he's what's was it grandpa joe is that his name i'm not sure we're not experts you guys are experts in all the horror movies i've never seen willy wonka really no really sorry so you've not seen willy wonka i've not seen die hard and ian's never seen an indiana jones interesting well maurice looks like uh willy wonka's grandpa (laughs) for anyone out there that uh that has seen the movie. I think it's Morris. Is it Morris? I think it's Morris. This guy's name? Yeah. Is it really? I think it's British. I don't think it's pronounced Maurice. I think it's Morris. Well, this is America, and we speak American, <laughs> so it's Maurice. <laughs> is it Maurice or Morris? I don't know. Actually, in the video, he was calling himself Morris, or whatever you were saying. Yeah. Oh. So pretend it's M-O-R-R-I-S. How many times have I said Maurice? <laughs> so How far. did you just spell Morris? More M-O-R-R-I-S. Oh, I thought you said M-O-O. Morris. Who's that? M-O-R-R-I-S. Yeah, I think it's Morris, though. So it took three days in the house before Morris had his first experience with the poltergeist. In the middle of the night... Morris and the three men from the Daily Mirror heard a large crash coming out of Janet's room. When they opened the door, they found a chair had moved forward again on its own, but this time it had spun backwards before stopping. So how do they know it was on its own, though? They're out in the hall? Because the kids said it was on its own? Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. After a couple more weeks of poltergeist activity, Morris attended an SPR meeting describing the case and said he could use some help. There was a guy named uh, Guy Playfair there, but it would still be some time before he actually joined up with the investigation. That guy would make a good referee. Guy Playfair. (laughs) Fantastic referee. (laughs) You would hope so, at least. With a name like that, I'd be a little suspect how he was. It's too obvious of a name. After the meeting, Morris finally saw the poltergeist in action with his own eyes because up until now, he only heard the banging and knocking sounds. He hadn't actually seen anything happen himself. When he got back to the house, he saw the marbles and Legos start flying around the room and Morris heard Peggy say there's a noise in the bathroom and when he walked over, he saw the bathroom door open and close on its own four times, followed by a sudden cool breeze. Couldn't have that just been an open window? That was pushing open and close the door. My my bedroom door growing up would literally latch shut and push itself open when windows were open. Anything's possible. Just saying. Back and forth like that? Yeah. If the wind was was blowing right. My door did that a few times. My door would, it would be latched. It would push itself open and then slam shut. Hmm. And then sometimes it would slam so hard, it would like bounce itself open again. I'm just saying. Did it ever do that when your mom was walking by and you were playing with your wiener? (laughs) 
fuck? Uh, it did not. <laughs> All right, just making sure. <laughs> wow, that took a turn. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> you would also think one would lock a door in that situation. Just, yeah. Also, don't jerk off if there's a strong wind that day. Everyone knows that. It's masturbation 101. Strong breeze, don't jerk off. Doors might open. I just thought our fans would want to know. What you say? Thought the fans would want to know? <laughs> I thought your fans would want to know if that ever took place. <laughs> when you're fapping with the flapping door. <laughs> the old fapping flap. <laughs> and new shirt. <laughs> fapping flap. Come play with us. That's what it says on the back. That's really funny. Save us. <laughs> Soon after this incident, Maurice saw Janet walk into her room, and when the door closed behind her, three marbles went flying through the air and hit her door. But this time, when the marbles fell, they fell straight to the floor and didn't move like the floor was a magnet. Marie sat there forever, throwing marbles at the door and couldn't couldn't replicate what that's happened. That's kind of a weird scenario. Yeah. That's super really weird. Really strange. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. This guy seems like a... In watching his YouTube videos, he seems like a legit legitimate source like i didn't yeah i didn't get the feeling i'm so suspicious of this story but i didn't get the feeling he was making it up yeah so no. i don't know i'm kind of torn so guy playfair decided to join the case after seeing a front page story in the daily mirror and hearing a local radio interview with mrs nottingham where she said she saw an impression in janet's bed that looked like someone was laying there but the bed was empty so nottingham's making the old press circuit she's yeah. out there just trying to Get some publicity for herself. Uh, I mean, she does not have a lot to do with this. She was there one time, maybe. No, they saw it a bunch of times. They were there a bunch. Yeah. Okay. Well, because they were the neighbors. When we talk about these in indentations in the pillow, like, do you think they actually see the depression taking place in the pillow, or they just see like it looks like a head's there, or the actual physical movement of the of the pillow depressing? Yeah, I don't. I know. mean, I guess it depends what part of like how you look at the story. Like that's freaky if you like, saw that, right? But that's not what it says. They just saw an indentation. They yeah, just that looked saw like someone it was looked like someone there. was laying yeah. there is what yeah, they like, say. Yeah. Which, if you lay on a pillow long enough, you're going to see, you know, kind of like an indentation from yeah. where someone lays or even where someone sleeps. Right, and, and that's different than seeing right. the act of it happening. Right. By the time Guy Playfair showed up in mid-September 1978, the mood in the house was so tense that he said just the sight of a spider caused unnecessary panic <laughs> from everybody in the house. <laughs> but... Wasn't that just kind of like living in a house with women? Don't they Dang. all get freaked out by spiders? Dang. Good point. You're going to get heat on that. <laughs> Considering our whole audience is mainly women. <laughs> True. Country Mike's not afraid of spiders. Yeah. Country Mike's that not sound, afraid of anything. That sounded like a Country Mike. Uh... <laughs> I think it was Country Mike speaking through me. So like other people who initially came into the house, nothing happened in front of Guy. In an attempt to catch Janet faking the whole thing, Guy and Morris made a whole big deal like they were going downstairs, and then they snuck back up. As they were waiting quietly, a marble, almost like it materialized, just dropped mm. in front of Guy Playfair and just stuck to the floor again. And then after that, he decided that this was something that he was going to stick around and investigate. What's hilarious about them walking down the steps and making a big deal of it made me think of Richard Chase. Remember when the police went to go, they knew he was in his apartment, they went to go arrest him, and he wouldn't come out, so they acted like oh, they, they act were like leaving. They were leave. yeah. <laughs> and got him to come Guess out. Guess he's not home. See you later. <laughs> the footsteps, they just get lighter and lighter. <laughs> 
So Guy invited another photographer from the Daily Mirror over to see if they could capture any more evidence. But this time, when they set up three cameras, they all failed to work. After the photographer left, more indentations in the bed started happening, like like someone was laying there. And that's a common thing with mm-hmm. like electronics stop working. Could someone know? have just been laying there, actually? And they didn't check it out? We mean, there's, like there's, the Invisible Man? No, no yeah. there's, there's four <laughs> fucking kids in this house, all these reporters coming in and out. Could there just have been someone sleeping in that bed and they walked by and saw someone sleeping in that bed? Well, they never saw any, but it's an indent. It looks like somebody's laying in the bed. Well, I'm assuming also the blankets were up. Like, I was assuming no. they're seeing a hump in the bed. No. It just looks like a body is laying on the bed, but there's nothing. That, That's like what it, I thought. Just like, the indentation. Yeah, it's like the bed's bent in a little, and it looks like it's like the outline of a body. Okay. I was thinking of it wrong then. I was thinking like they were seeing like the blankets up even. Like kind of like if you you bunch the blankets up right. and it looks like there's someone sleeping like in the bed. Like if you're breaking out of your cell and you want the guards to think right. you're still or there. Or like Ferris Bueller or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shitty movie. Awful movie. You don't like that movie? I hate it's that's a whole side conversation. I but someone hate Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Bueller. Day Off and The Goonies are two of the most overrated movies of wow. all time. They're the so bad. They're unwatchable. Unwatchable. Breakfast Club 2 is not great. Not great. The Breakfast Club 2? I've never seen that. No, Breakfast Club also, also okay. is not great. Did they make a sequel to that? I don't, I don't think, think so. Yeah. I hope not. We should have let that die. Anyway, I'm not a fan of 80s movies. Like those kind of like cheesy 80s movies. Interesting. Yeah. Have we not talked about this before? Probably, but yeah. I think most people are pretty fond of those movies. Not great. I don't love them. I like them. So. I love The Goonies. Yeah, yeah, the Goonies who doesn't is like good. The Goonies? I just don't think it's that good. I, I don't love it. Huh? Sorry. All right. It's a very strange opinion. <laughs> I, I like to wait to the 90s movies and then like Muddy Ducks. That's my shit. It's a great movie. <laughs> I mean, I like the Muddy Ducks too. Who doesn't? It's fantastic. Gordon Bombay. Is that the Emilio Estevez movie? It's literally Emilio yeah. Estevez's best uh, cinematic performance of all time. Have you ever seen Men at Work? Never heard of it. <laughs> Talking about the band? No, the Emilio Estevez movie when him and Charlie Sheen are garbage men. I have not. It's fantastic. They're half brothers, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Yeah. What do they think they're garbage men? We're getting off topic here. <laughs> it's, very, it's very funny. <laughs> We're now discussing the works of Emilio Estevez. We've uh, we've went a bit astray. <laughs> so one night, Peggy and Guy witnessed an indentation on the pillow that looked like a child's head had been laying on it, and then this, this convinced Peggy that they were being haunted by a ghost of a child. She got convinced of this because a few years earlier, one of their neighbors smothered his four-year-old daughter to death and then killed himself right after well peggy bought some of that furniture from that family and thought that maybe the girl's spirit could be attached to the furniture so she was advised to get rid of it but the activity still continued do you think she sold that um used furniture on facebook like one of those mom groups the marketplace yeah (laughs) probably (laughs) maybe she was a time traveler like john titor and (laughs) if only she could have so and this is the part this is part of it that that throws me off cuz there aren't really apparitions with with poltergeists so you wouldn't expect to see something like this in this scenario. Right. Okay. So things started to escalate further when they started seeing apparitions. Peggy's brother said he saw a glowing light up in one of the windows from outside. He said it looked like a fire glowing that just gradually went out. Like a candle, perhaps? No, it sounded like a big like a big thing. Okay. <laughs> that seemed, Like any fire that eventually goes out. Yeah, but it was big. I mean, it shouldn't have been in a in the house. Like Moses in the burning bush? Sure. Okay. 
like an out of place fire. Yeah, yeah, I was getting at. I see your mocking glance at me over there. <laughs> me? I didn't even look at you. I wasn't talking to you. It's oh. <laughs> like, damn, I'm gonna try to catch up on my notes here. Just drawing a line to other out of place fires throughout history. Okay. Okay. Fuck got off. It. We got it. Sensitive subject for about him. the burning bush. He brings up religion and then starts getting into a fight with himself. I'm not bringing up religion. I'm talking about a burning bush. No. That- <laughs> Speaking of bushes, just kidding. Go on. <laughs> that same day, Vic Nottingham and Peggy both said they saw an old woman walking through, walking from window to window in the house. So they were on the outside looking in. Then her son John said he saw an old man in the house staring at him, smiling with large white teeth. The grinning man. Yeah. Mm, there it is. Let's get into the Men in Black now. Yeah, and that, that one that just throws me off because that's not something that that happens with poltergeists. So, so what do you? Th- what's your thought here? That the base of the story is real, but certain people in the story are trying to embellish yeah. it and make it even grander. Yeah, maybe it really was. Okay. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah, and I, we'll say that also for the end too. Probably we'll go over what we think. Right. right? Oh yeah, for okay. sure. By this time, fifteen separate people had seen something happen in the house, and with Guy Playfair completely convinced, he started hiding tape recorders around the house and started recording what was like hundreds of uh of audio tapes on the first tape the audio wasn't great because the family is watching escape of the planet of the apes it's super loud in the background but you could still hear the the knocking sound still registered on the tape and you can tell that they're not they weren't in one spot like they were moving around somewhere quieter than others you know like around seemed, the house yeah, yeah like farther away is that common the knocking thing yeah just like unexplained mm. sounds mm-hmm. yeah it's like um yeah the unexplained sounds things moving around it's just like um like mischievous stuff you know and Fuck it, it well. yeah and i mean it could escalate but it's it's mm. usually just it usually starts out real peaceful kind of just fucking around and then it, and then it goes from there Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Guy arranged for a husband and wife team of mediums uh, named George and Annie Shaw to come in and see if they could make any type of contact with the poltergeist. Are these guys famous? No. Okay. Annie sat down and told the family it was likely that the poltergeist was going to speak through her and to not be afraid. She invited the poltergeist in and immediately started laughing. Like they said, it was like a cackling kind Mm. of laugh. Lovely. Then she spat at her husband and Annie said, Gozer, help me. Elvie, come here. Gozer. What's Mm. interesting about Gozer is that's where Dan Aykroyd got for for Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got it from this. That's cool. Yeah. George described Gozer as a quote nasty piece of work a sort of black magic chap (laughs) chap and George said Elvie was a low energy form that does the day to day ghost stuff for higher powers it's like a worker ghost bitch work yeah I would assume that's who's throwing the marbles around. Hmm. After the session, George and Annie healed Janet's aura. Did they? (laughs) 
and supposedly it worked for a little while and the house was quiet for about a week but then the activity started again (laughs) week (laughs) beds started shaking with the sheets being ripped off the beds the knocks got so loud that the nottinghams could hear him next door and pools of water started to materialize on the floor which is thought to be like a sign of poltergeist getting stronger why is that Hmm. What, what does water have to do it's just like the energy being able to produce something like that. It's in the Poltergeist Bible, okay? Don't question <laughs> it. Guess I'll stop questioning it. Then the <clears throat> Poltergeist took a violent turn. One night, Janet said the apparition of an old man sat down next to her bed and put its hand over her nose and mouth. So is this the guy represented in the movie, sitting in the chair? Yeah, yeah. Because that was creepy shit. In the yeah. Movie. That was really good. Yeah, I want to watch that now after after doing all this. Yeah, yeah I haven't I seen it in a long time. A of this it was movie. really good. This is for the first or the second one. Second one. Second. second one. I think it was better than the first one. I, I don't really remember, remember the first one. Oh, yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. Or was that that doll? That's the doll one, isn't it? Annalise. Annabelle. Yeah. Not Annalise. Don't summon her. <laughs> <laughs> I think it wasn't it the doll. I know the Warrens own. That's another one of the Warrens thing. I'm pretty sure it was in their cabinet at the end, and I think that spawned the Anna, Annabelle movie. Yeah, the Annabelle but, movie is its own thing, but it wasn't part of the Conjuring first story, was it? It was in the museum in one of the movies. Yeah, right. right. Which one was that in? That was at the end of the first one. Okay. But it wasn't actually figured oh, into the okay. story. Right? No, not to the... It's I don't remember spin-off. the story of The First Conjuring. I don't either. Like I said, I get all those movies mixed up. Wasn't wasn't some big house and, and she kept seeing someone hanging from the tree in the back? No, you're that's the Ethan Hawke that's one. That's Sinister. Sinister. When that, I think that it might be both though. Um, I don't know. We we don't have to. I don't, I don't remember. remember. Well then, so what the fuck was Insidious? That's that one with Patrick Wilson where he was uh, like in his sleep. He would go to the other place, the Ghost Land. I don't remember that. Yeah, isn't there like a creepy like devil face in that or yeah. something? Yeah, those those are. They made a bunch like three or. Four I get all those. those so mixed up. First one was good. I know I've seen it. I just don't remember it. Any hoodles. <laughs> so I mean, you and you would think too with with this like just take the shit out of the house, like take the marble out take the legos out all the stuff that's causing problems but this only seemed to to make the poltergeist angry by itself the metal grill covering the fireplace ripped off and flew across the room and almost hit peggy's son john in the head and then not long after that it tore the metal frame off the fireplace that was cemented into brick and significantly bent the framework that's nuts yeah and that's up to if you believe this story or not if if guy playfair or or morris bent the bent the piping or not you know but there's pictures of it Ben, I mean, it's well, and you've super got bent. at least what ten credible eyewitnesses. If they were making it all up, what was what was the point of making it up? Did they all think they would get a book deal or just want to be famous? Well, Guy Playfair wrote; he did write a book about it, so got famous and made money. I don't think he made a ton off it. And Morris, he died kind of broke and defended this story his whole life. Yeah, Yeah. It's just a lot of people that keep a story going like that all this time without ever. Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know, we found out the, the Amityville was nonsense. Yeah, that was like this is you know forty years ago. Yeah, and uh, Morris died. I think it was in two thousand seven, and he was defending it up mm. until up until he died. 
So to get a break, the family went on a small vacation. While gone, Morris and Guy decided to try and communicate with the poltergeist and record it. They said one knock for no, two knocks for yes. The poltergeist said it was male, that it used to live in the house. It lived there more than 50 years ago and it died in the house. It said it was not unhappy. It didn't want to give anyone a special message. When it was, uh, I believe it was Guy Playfair, asked the poltergeist, are you having a game with me? A, bo- a box flew across the room eight feet, and you can hear like a swish on the on the tape, yeah. like something. Either it really flew or Morris whipped it past the recorder, you know, but I don't, yeah. I, I just don't think that they would have done that. Around this time, the poltergeist, like the activity started to fall Morris around like it did Janet, which goes in. He's one of the members of the household now. Right. right? And then then it's like the idea that some people are more open to this stuff than others. If you don't believe in ghosts, you won't see ghosts. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I believe in aliens. I've never seen an alien, so. I'm right there with you. Yeah. We've discussed that one, right? The people who want to see them, though, you said, don't aren't usually the ones. I know. I'm always looking up at the sky when I do shit outside, taking out the garbage and stuff. (laughs) Hoping, take me. (laughs) I'm always looking up there, but nothing's happening. Beat me up. Please, come on, guys. When the family returned, the activity increased again right where it had left off. Now they're starting to bring levitation in the, into the story. The, uh, they said a couch levitated four feet in the air, and then Janet was thrown eight feet out of a chair. And the poltergeist was was able to freeze Margaret on the stairs, and she was only able to move with the help of Morris. Now, are these the, the famous pictures of, of the girls in their room, mm-hmm. like up in the air? Yeah. And I mean, they could have been jumping. They could have. And someone pointed out that their muscles are clearly contracted, which would indicate that they were jumping. That's what so, I mean. Yeah. I think, there, I mean, there's proof that Janet and Margaret did did fake some of this stuff. And there's proof of that. But, but why, if there was something really disturbing you or haunting you, like, why would you be faking it? Like other stuff and like cool and laughing about it. I don't think they took it. They didn't take it serious like that. They were. So they weren't freaked out by any of this stuff that might have legit been happening. It sound. I mean, they were having fun with it. That's what throws me off. And under hypnosis, so we'll get in. We'll get into the hypnosis stuff. But Janet said that it was almost like boring her. Like she's mm. like, Meh, it's just boring. She didn't really give a shit about it. She was just happy to have the the uh, Morris around. Which would you know. Seem unusual for an 11 year old girl when you're fucking haunted or when your house is haunted like that. To be bored by it. To be bored by it and just giggling. No, I agree. Yeah, seems unusual. Peggy announced out loud for the poltergeist to give them some type of a message so they could quit with all the craziness. And shortly after, a note was found on the top of the refrigerator that said, I will stay in this house. Do not read this to anyone else or I will retaliate. It's worth noting that this note was written on a piece of janet's notebook paper (laughs) and like we just said before janet and margaret had admitted to to faking some of the stuff peggy swears that the she was in the kitchen the whole time and it couldn't have been uh couldn't have been anybody else so the next message on the same notebook paper showed up on the coffee table and said can i have a tea bag spot a tea so morris opened his pants ripped his balls out i was waiting for it i i I could tell it was brewing in your head over there 
It really wasn't. I just said it was oh. it came to me. <laughs> Peggy placed the teabag on the table next to the note, and shortly after, the teabag appeared torn and crumbled. Mm. Then Peggy's ex-husband showed up to pay his monthly child support, which was obviously it was always a tense situation. He didn't believe anything that was going on in the house and would like make fun of him and shit. <laughs> And and being frustrated with it and everything, she showed the ex-husband the note in an attempt to get him to believe her. And as soon as he left, Peggy realized she wasn't supposed to tell anyone. And then she found another note that said, a misunderstanding. Don't do it again. I know who that was. Suspicious. I think that's, I think that is Janet fucking around and just trying to make her mom feel better possibly you know i think without a doubt yeah now janet has started going into trances where she would cry and start screaming mama i think it's just mommy mommy no it's, she said mama oh, not like stewie mommy no mommy. no, no. Right. mommy that i just I, I typed it out like that because i didn't know how hmm. how to spell it, but it was mama mama okay mama <laughs> and when she actually started to speak through these trances, she would say stuff like, where's goes or he'll kill you, where's goes or he'll kill you over and over again. So Peggy started to take Janet to a local hospital to, to get psychiatric treatment. But all the doctors said that there was nothing wrong with her. She was just a normal, a normal kid. Hmm. Supposedly, the healings from the mediums worked, but they only worked for a short period of time. Another set of mediums came in, and the results were like before. After they left, Janet went into another trance, but at this time, she started drawing pictures. She started drawing pictures of knives and the word blood over and over again. The only drawing that had much like actual detail to it was a picture of a woman that was bleeding from her neck with the word Watson written underneath it. When Guy and Morris asked Peggy if, if she knew anyone named Watson, she confirmed that the people who lived in the house before them 12 years ago had the last name Watson. Mrs. Watson had died from a tumor in her neck, which supposedly was something Janet wouldn't have known. Just like Annalise didn't know about that uh, rapey priest. Yeah. From Germany, right? The kids pick up things, you know. They hear they things. They know. They go to school. <laughs> After the episode with drawing pictures, Janet and her sister Margaret started sharing dreams and yelling at each other in their sleep. It's kind of creepy how they, uh, how Morrison and Guy decided to figure out that they were sleeping, like they would lift their <laughs> girls' eyes up <laughs> while they were sleeping, like to make sure they were actually sleeping yeah, and stuff. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. So Mar- during while they were doing this whole yelling thing. While they were sleeping, Margaret Margaret yelled, Go away, you ten little things, running about destroying things. Hmm. Morris and Guy found that the girls were able to answer questions while they were asleep and they were doing the whole the whole eye thing again, making sure like their eyes were rolled back and they were actually sleeping. They asked Margaret what those ten things destroying stuff were, and her answer was one is a baby, two is a little girl, three is a big girl, four is a very young girl, five is an old lady, six is a young boy seven is getting on to about 18 eight is an old man nine i don't know what it is it hasn't got a face and 10 has gone away so it gets a little uh it's out there a little spooky with it's number nine bizarre. though <laughs> yeah it hasn't got a face right <laughs> 
But then suddenly in her sleep, she yelled Frank Watson. And when asked who Frank Watson was, Margaret replied, the man who died in the chair downstairs. So that's where you that's where you get the man from, yeah, from Conjuring the, too. From the movie. Neighbors confirmed that Frank Watson had died in a chair in the living room from a brain hemorrhage. Since they could presumably get information through the girls being unconscious, they decided to use hypnosis on Janet to try and get further information. To conduct the hypnosis, they brought in Dr. Ian Fletcher, who was also a surgeon. Oh, what do you think, Mike? Hypnosis? Well, he might have been a good surgeon. I don't know. Let's see what happens. He's a legitimate doctor. Legit. Uh, Dr. Fletcher hypnotized Janet and started asking questions. The first couple of questions were about what had been going on in the house, and Janet's answers all matched up with the evidence that was going on. If we're going to get into hip, uh, hypnosis, then let me open a beer because I need to be drunk <laughs> to buy into this bullshit. Oh, we need to go to one of those like uh, this comedy th- hypnosis nights. Oh, yeah, because yeah, that, that will convince no, me. No, because he won't, he's not open to it, so it won't work. Those guys are hacks. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's a proven... I don't believe that. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it. I believe in the science method. I think you can relax someone to maybe where they, they are able to like not feel a pain. I do not think you can control someone's mind. I don't think you can put them in an altered state where they're going to start telling truths. I don't believe any of that. The only one I think I can kind of maybe believe is where they meditate someone to where they can do like a surgery with them not feel pain. And even then, I don't know how much they've actually completed like through, right? Wasn't only a partial surgery that they did. But why wouldn't you be able to get answers out of somebody? I just or like I don't backed think, memories. I don't, I don't think you can control someone's mind like that. I don't know how that how you can do that. It's not really mind control. It's helping them go back to like thoughts that they had forgotten and stuff in their subconscious. Yeah, it's not really the same thing. But then is that hypnosis? Then just helping them remember something? Yeah. Yeah. By putting them in a trance. Right. You're helping them remember something. You're opening up their mind. Open your mind. I don't think I, I don't think I can believe that. Open your mind. <laughs> so what did Dr. Uh, Hacker, I'm sorry, Fletcher do? <laughs> When uh, when he asked her if she knew who was causing all the activity, she said, me and my sister. So people that try to debunk this use that question or that answer as proof that the whole thing was made up. But they ignore all the an- other answers she gave after this one. When she was asked why they thought or why she thought her, si- her and her sister were to blame, she said, I don't know. When asked who started the trouble, she said, none of us. And finally, when she was asked what the case of the trouble was she said an increase in unhappiness hmm that's a strange thing for a young girl to say yeah well i think i i kind of feel like when she said me and my sister it's like their it would be like their energy or whatever would be would be causing it uh-huh. if you believe if you believe all of these other answers after the hypnosis sessions spoons started to bend on their own in the house and it's assumed that jan this is something that janet faked so no one saw a spoon bend no they just started seeing bent spoons you know yeah. what you have to remember the spoon isn't actually bending the spoon does not exist that's is that the matrix yeah. <laughs> have you seen that I have fallen asleep every time I've tried oh to watch that movie. God, and guys. I have tried three times to watch that movie. It's a good one. We have a listener out there, uh, our friend Amy, who is a huge Matrix fan. Uh, I cannot get through those movies. She I've loves them. Watch The Matrix probably a hundred times. I can't do it. I can't get through like, the first 30 minutes I of it. I watched it last week. 
It's a good movie. It's no, no, no. How many did they make? Like nine of them? Three. Felt like yeah. nine. No. <laughs> Have you seen all three? I haven't seen one of them. No. <laughs> yeah. But it I, felt like nine. If, yeah. I, if I'm like having like a sleep disorder and I'm awake all the time, I'll put on the Matrix. I'll be out cold. <laughs> you have some very peculiar views on things. <laughs> It's not it's not that I wanted to have that and I don't even know if the movie might be good. Honest to God, I've tried three times to watch it. I fall asleep every time. Hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe the you have first, narcolepsy and it's not the fault of the movie. But it only is activated by by the Matrix. <laughs> you get triggered from the Matrix. <laughs> All right. Let's do an episode. Maybe you get hypnotized by, by the Keanu's eyes and, and it right. triggers wow. your narcolepsy. What's the day. other movie he's in? What's the good ones? John Wick? Yeah, I've seen those. Those are fantastic. I have never seen those. No. John Wick's awesome. I, oh, I've seen the first one. I don't know if I've seen the second. And isn't there a third one coming out? It's coming out pretty soon. The first one's pretty badass, yeah. Second one's okay. Matrix, not so much. Mm. Rather watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. That's a good movie, Also too. making a new one. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the original cast. Yeah. How many different actors have we talked about today on the show? A lot. It's, a, oh. it's our movie extravaganza yeah. tonight. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, Janet, she faked that. She saw it on TV because there was there was a guy over there that was popular at the time that was doing it, and and she thought it was funny. The Yuri Geller, yeah, the yeah. Spun, spoon bender, yeah. After the spoon bending is when the infamous voice started. It started out as whistling sounds and then went into kind of sound like a dog barking near Janet, like the sounds were coming from behind her, but not directly out of her. Guy and more. Morris figured it was the poltergeist making the noises, so presumably it could speak. Contact was first made with Guy Morris and two members of the SPR. So this is a this is a clip of the tape just to get an idea of what, what this voice sounded like coming out of a, an 11-year-old girl. Rob, that's good. Come on. Shut up, I do. I count them to a rock break out. And I have right in the church where Rina lives. And all my friends come from there as well. And we all make a day and go to the pub. And then we walk repeat your house because I used to live here. And I will tell you the law. And if you don't get anyone else, the second is to and Mr. Blayback. So the um the voice identified itself as Joe Watson this time and said, I went blind and had a hemorrhage and fell asleep and died on a chair in the corner downstairs. When per- when pushed farther, the voice told Morris to fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> I think it's I think the exact quote was fuck off you. <laughs> yeah. You mean it wasn't fuck off you bloody wanker? No. Would have been a lot cooler if it was. <laughs> Bloody wanker makes any sentence cooler. That's <laughs> true. When asked why the entity didn't pass on once dying, it replied, I'm not a heaven kind of man. To eliminate the possibility of Janet faking the voice, they tried to tape her mouth shut. <laughs> and when that didn't work, they had her hold water in her mouth. And it's fucking like waterboarding this bitch <laughs> just to get her to like be like prove that she's not being uh, uh, playing jokes. And it's a it's a young child. That's I shouldn't say bitch. Yeah, she's <laughs> just calling eleven year old a bitch. <laughs> well, she's making jokes throughout this whole episode, so you'll you'll get to my theory at the end. <laughs> 
They so they even went into having Janet sing the song Daisy Daisy. Not familiar with that tune. Yeah, it's like nope. a London. I don't remember all the words mm. to it, but it's like like That's a nursery right. rhyme kind of thing. Sure. So when she was singing, the voice sound started singing along with her, like two voices at the same time were coming, and then she she thought it was funny and just started laughing, and then the voice started laughing too, and it was like two voices coming out of her at the same time, just fucking creepy. Isn't this what we talked about with Annalise, where they were, it was two distinct, separate voices? Yeah. They talked about those extra set of vocal cords. It was the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there was no way she could have made that sound. And that's the thing, is this voice throws a whole wrench into the typical uh, typical polter, poltergeist theory. They recorded several hours of the voice to further try and, and uh, debunk it or whatever. They put a microphone on the back of Janet's head, which picked up, which the sound that it picked up was different than a normal uh, human voice is sound waves. Well, and, that's interesting. Yeah. And then a speech therapist was called in by Guy Morris and was unable to figure out where the voice was coming from or how it was being able to produce full sentences. So there's another credible person in there. So they also brought in um, a guy named John Hasted, a physicist at the London's Burbank College, and Adrian Forson, a phonetics expert at the University College of London. They did an experiment using a laryngograph and it indicated that there is an effect known as the plica ventricularis ventricularis Ventricularis, sure was happening (laughs) and this is when muscle tension in the throat can produce sounds that um that are separate from the vocal cords but they said that if if you weren't trained to do this you would just have an extremely sore throat and you would go hoarse real quick. Yeah, that's what they said in the videos, but they said she would do it nonstop for four hours and never had any of these side effects. Yeah. And then they brought in a ventriloquist named Ray Allen, and he felt the voice was being produced by Janet's diaphragm, which he said that Janet confirmed. And Morris being suspicious that Janet didn't even know what the word diaphragm meant because her mother didn't even know what the word puberty meant. Nor a diaphragm with those four kids. Her mom could have used a diaphragm. <laughs> In all fairness, you hear these people talk, and it could have just been they didn't understand what people each other were saying. Because you can't understand what the fuck they're saying sometimes. (laughs) That's tough. So he went to ask Janet, and Janet said that she just zoned out listening to this guy talk and was just nodding at what he was saying because she was bored. And I kind of get that because you got all these people coming in to talk to this little girl constantly. I could see a kid getting like... I'm sure, yeah. Fuck off. So this was actually the point of the story where I stopped believing in it and thought it was all fake. Um, I saw on something on YouTube, uh, Janet was trained in ventriloquism. She took lessons. That's what it said. And yeah. when you watch the video of her doing the voice, she is doing ventriloquism. 100%. So, who, wait, so when she get the the, I mean, lessons, you saw it too, right? I did. It looks like she's doing a... Really? Yeah. Yeah. So but when they you, offered no proof of the... They just stated it nonchalantly. She was trained as a ventriloquist. Or no, she, she was taking ventriloquism lessons. Yeah, but they, they never said. really provided any proof. That's the only place I've ever heard that. Yeah, I don't. there's so, a lot of people that try know. to debunk this. But. but then when you watch it, it looks like you can see her mouth moving like any good ventriloquist would do. Well, they, and I, then she's making that that demonic voice or it, whatever it is. I mean, it's I, it does... It is said that her 
her mouth it didn't like fully it, she, it she was partially like ventriloquism right like she wasn't mm-hmm. actually talking i mean that's so that that part for me was was a bit odd i would like to know more about that then if there's if we don't have a whole lot of detail maybe yeah. this video we saw was making it up i don't know it'd yeah. be an odd thing to just randomly throw in there well but, i think like yeah. the, the bunkers they pull out little things here and there and then i mean most of the debunking is just saying it I don't believe it. There's not a ton of concrete proof behind a lot of this. Well, you can't debunk eyewitness accounts with people that swear that they saw. Right. They saw. We're not talking about video, you know, editing or anything like that. Yeah, because the ventriloquist said that he debunked it, but then they said she didn't, like I said, that she didn't know what the word diaphragm meant. She didn't really care what he had to say. She was just agreeing with him. But I don't hold a lot of stock in the, the words that they knew. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, no. She could have been taking ventriloquism lessons and didn't know what diaphragm meant. Right, yeah. She could have. Where was an 11-year-old girl in the projects taking ventriloquist lessons, though? <laughs> yeah. I know they said that, but they didn't provide any proof. Right. She could have been seems... doing that at school. Yeah, I guess. Could have been seems unusual to yeah. me. Well, this is a whole foreign country, guys. We don't know what's going on over there. Is that standard curriculum over there, Ventriloquism? <laughs> Maybe it was an elective. I took fitness walking in one point in my life. So who the fuck knows what electives are available? She's 12 years old. I legitimately took a class that was fitness walking. In college. Still. I walked for an A. Hung over as shit. And the professor would pass out water bottles along the way. It was the greatest hangover class in the world. Fantastic. But I'm not famous because I made up a story about ghosts haunting me, so whatever. They're not really famous. <laughs> We're talking about them, aren't we? Ed and Lorraine Warren are the ones that got all the money out of That's it. That's right. That's a whole nother They weren't even thing. fucking there. So by this time, every the, the interest had, had grown and it had even gone almost worldwide at this point. So everybody wanted to see what was going on. And this brings in the Society of American Magicians. <laughs> are they like real magicians? <laughs> yeah. You know what it makes me think of? Have you guys ever watched Arrested Development? So. With Job? Fun fact. Well, we don't need to get into a whole other sidebar about me. <laughs> fun fact I could not get into that show. Really? I God watched damn. like 10 episodes and was like, I'm wasting my time. I don't care. I love that show. I watched I some of them too, and I never really, really watched the whole series. You're the only other person I ever met that I couldn't get into it with. I have friends that are diehard, yeah. and they, they're like, how do you not love this show? I watched 10 episodes and was like, I just don't love this. I've I've gone through it multiple times, like The Office. Hmm. Really? And who's the who's the actor? The, Jason uh, Bateman. Jason Bateman is fantastic. And I always say I would watch a movie with him just shitting, because he would be funny. Right. Would you watch him get a Blumpkin? I absolutely would. Of course. If you're going to watch Jason Sudeikis get a Blumpkin, you might as well watch Jason Bateman get a Blumpkin. Maybe we'll just have all of Horrible Bosses get a Blumpkin by Olivia Wilde and you just watch it. Maybe that's that's what Horrible Bosses 3 is. Just them getting Blumpkins and Dave watching. Academy Award. Scorsese will direct it. Perfect. Um, Where were we? The ma- the magicians, because yeah, well, in Arrested Development, Job is part of the Magicians Alliance. That's, that's <laughs> he's like the maybe. brother-in-law, right? Or the, <laughs> the older brother, yeah. Okay. He's always doing the shitty magic tricks. That's exactly what this reminds me of. So they sent <laughs> um, they sent this supposed investigator named Melbourne Christopher. Guy Playfair was happy to host a magician as long as this guy didn't tell the kids he was a magician. And he said within like 20 minutes of this guy being in there, he started doing uh, card tricks for the kids. Like <laughs> Rule like, number one, never trust a magician. 
So Melbourne said that he heard knocking sounds and what sounded like furniture moving, but he didn't see anything with his own eyes. So when everyone went to bed, Melbourne stayed on the stairs just sitting there and Janet came out of her room and according to Melbourne, he did a trick which produced a flash of light which made Janet run back into her room. He used this as proof that Janet was coming out to see if the uh, if the coast was clear to fake something. But little did uh, Melbourne know that there was tape recorders hidden everywhere and caught a conversation with Melbourne that Melbourne had with Janet. So Janet's saying that she doesn't like to be alone. So she was coming out to to get Morris. He couldn't understand her thick accent. Nobody could. Yeah. So I don't blame. The I get that, that after watching the yeah. videos. Yeah. So he couldn't understand anything was saying and seemingly. <laughs> felt awkward just did this flash trick because you can hear like three pops on the on the audio <laughs> recording you just like flash this shit at her and she ran away scared oh so he's scaring the girl in her own room outside of her bedroom <laughs> yeah. while he's there exploring all poltergeists it's great and you can hear her on the tape after she gets in back in her room she's talking to herself out loud and she says he's gone mad <laughs> <laughs> how would she say that dave He's gone mad, that bloody wanker. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it's ridiculous to me that that people do use this as some form of debunking. Like, they completely ignore the fact on the tape that this guy's story is not accurate. Like, he's a complete jackass. The magician. Yeah, the magician. But but people just ignore that and, and try to use it. So, the poltergeist continued to get more aggressive. All the fish in the family's fish tank were found dead. And the voice said through Janet that I did that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> Which I, I think it was Morris that, that kind of confirmed his beliefs that that poltergeist worked on like some form of an electric electrical type of energy. Uh-huh. Base, what, what do you mean? Like, I don't know, like static electricity kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Like, that's how it would have killed the fish. Oh, OK. Two days later, their pet bird turned up dead as well. That same day, Janet was attacked by the poltergeist with it wrapping window curtains around her neck. Hmm. A camera picked up the sound of the curtain swishing through the air in like a rapping type sound, but not actually on video. Weird. That's how the movie ended, right? Ed Warren ran in and saved her, and they, then they knocked out the window. Yeah. yeah. Man, they really, they made Ed Warren. And oh, he was like, the hero of the whole movie. In real life, he's like this frumpy fucking old man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like what, what they made him out to be. He saved her. With the poltergeist getting way more <laughs> aggressive than before, they decided to try one more medium. A man named Dono. What did you Gamilig. Gamilig Mailing. Close enough. This medium was certain that a 24-year-old woman was involved in the case. And 24 years old just happened to be the exact age of Morris's daughter, Janet, when she died. This leaves it up to what you believe, if you believe in it at all. Our poltergeist spirits of dead people working in a collective way. How Margaret said that there was like she gave that list of the ten things, or are they like free flowing energy that are brought on by negativity and stress and stuff? But regardless, after Dono said that uh, Morris's daughter was likely a part of the poltergeist, the hauntings tapered off and completely stopped. Huh. Another postscript, though, I read that when this family eventually moved out, the next family that moved in uh, left after two. Months and they also claim that something was in the house. Really? Yeah. It's a very abrupt, odd ending. 
Yeah, well, Almost I mean, anticlimactic for like the story. Yeah, I mean, and the book is really is really thick, and it's not like an entertaining read or anything like that. It's super boring. It's just the the evidence, you know, that's hmm. laid out. But I mean, nothing terribly frightening. I guess the curtain strangling you would not be fun. Well, that wouldn't be great at all. But it, a lot less terrifying than the movie. Oh yeah, I mean the movie. Well, and scary. if you're gonna believe the story, though, getting f- picked up and flung across the room. That's pretty terrifying. I don't know if I'm buying that. Having, well, but I'm saying if we're reading the story as is, yeah. having the the fireplace or whatever it was thrown at you across the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, this was this is some aggressive stuff. Yeah, I think. Fucking um, Lego attack. That hurts. <laughs> Legos hurt. Knock your eye out. Yeah. And fucking tear up the bottom of your foot if you step on it. You ever see that guy that holds the, the world record for walking on Legos? No. It's wild. <laughs> what a terrible record to want to hold. It's like a track of just Legos laid down and this dude's just walking barefoot across them <laughs> like over and over again just doing laps on them. Unbelievable. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I don't the I mean, because poltergeists aren't supposed to be the hauntings of a dead spirit. It's supposed to be an energy. Mm-hmm. So... Yet when they bring up the dead spirit of Morris's daughter, it all disappears. Yeah, and I mean, and the apparitions are to me or like whatever. The voice really throws a wrench in that in that theory. You know that the, it wouldn't be if you say it's not a dead spirit. Then where the hell did the voice come from? Right. And talking about you know Watson and whatever. I don't know. I believe in it though. I don't believe so you, everything. You believe you believe in general that there was a poltergeist at this Enfield home. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form, but that maybe the girls had a little more fun with it. Yeah, well, I definitely. I mean, it's they they admitted to sure. it for stuff, but yeah, I believe in it. Hmm. I think something definitely was going on. Dave, what do you think? I don't know. I'm a little torn here because watching the video, the girls are obviously just fucking around and giggling, and it just seems counterintuitive to what young girls would be doing if they're if this stuff was taking place. But then again, how they've had this story going on for this long, and the what witnesses all seem credible. Yeah. I, I might be with you. I think something maybe happened there. I think maybe they embellished a lot of what happened there. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not, think... I'm not sure. I think some of... I mean, some of it's obviously embellished, but I think that... I, I do I do believe in, in poltergeist. I don't think that they're the spirits of a dead person, mm-hmm. but I think that, that stuff can be brought on by, by energy like that. I don't think it happens. It's not a, a common thing, you yeah. know? I think that there are some cases out there where it's like, you know... Yeah. Between Morris and Guy and, and, and the female police officer that's just yeah. th- th- those are credible eyewitnesses and like I said Morris had he didn't have anything to gain from this I mean he he, he died not wealthy and mm-hmm. defended this I mean he's pre- basically spent his whole life defending this story and what happened there I'm giving this one an I don't know. I'm not sure either way. This is uh this is one that I want like this is one of those stories that I want to believe. I just find myself not believing it after reading and hearing the story. Um I'm leaning more towards um I think the girls were kind of fucking around a lot. Um, I don't think that Morris or Guy were making up anything or a part of anything. I think they were telling what they actually saw and witnessed. But I, I think there's more evidence to support the girls were dicking around than there is, in my mind, to support that there was some poltergeist or something here. Even so with the Legos flying around and the marbles? that those, I mean, they had multiple people from the Daily Mirror that said that they saw marbles and stuff yeah. flying around the room. 
I think I see video evidence of these girls making a mockery of this. There is no real evidence other than word of mouth of anything else happening. Right. So I'm basing it off that. They had all these cameras set up in the home, but nothing was captured. Yet the actual interviews with these girls, they are clearly dicking around in these interviews. And so I guess that more so leads me to believe that they're just joking around. And it, But it is tough to say because I'm, I'm not, I don't want to call these people liars because yeah. I, I don't think they're lying necessarily about what they experienced. There's too many people involved to say they're lying. I don't think that police lady is lying and she's going to risk her job over some of this. Right. Um, I don't know how you explain unnecessarily a, a marble falling to the floor like a magnet. Yeah. But I also know there's no other evidence of that other than people saying it. And then the, the biggest witnesses to all of this are clearly making a joke of it, which to me tells me maybe this is just a put on. I guess I, I saw an interview with this Janet from, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. She's still sticking to her story. Yeah. Like wouldn't, if it was all fake, wouldn't you, wouldn't you grow up and say, hey, I was just fucking around. This is how I did it. Maybe write a book. How, well, unless you how- don't want your reputation damage at this point. Yeah, but you're a 12 year old kid. I don't mm-hmm. know. But at this point with all the movies that have been made, like you didn't, did she not get any movie rights out of this? I I don't I know that the the Warren I think I believe that somehow the Warrens own the rights to this story. God damn those Warrens! They made a bunch of fucking money off How this shit. How the fuck did they own this story? I'm pretty sure that they own part of it. Can you imagine something happens to you in your real life and then now they own the story? <laughs> I guess they would have had to get it from you though, right? Yeah. Well, that's a thing with all this stuff like, that everybody, that's a common thing where it's like, well, you're just trying to make money off stuff. And I know like, um, like, like alien stuff, MUFON, it says on their website specifically, if you think you're going to make money off your story, you're not. So don't even, mm-hmm. don't even try, yeah. you know, you're not going to make any money off this. Which so, is good. And then people should be thinking that. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's just not going to happen that way. So I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely don't think this is like some big concern conspiracy where the daily mirror was in on it and all these people were like in on it or anything Mm -hmm. but i agree it's a weird one it's very strange yeah it's a a fun story i think can't go uh, one way or another so all right ian you got anything else on uh enfield poltergeist no no i would in the future i want to do the black monk of pontefract because that's another good poltergeist one that's super super weird like this that's really documented and stuff. I think these stories are fun, so yeah, that'd be a good one sure. to go back on. The only thing I got is a shout out to Savvy the Ginger for an awesome review on iTunes. And also within the past week or so, reviews have just blown up on, on iTunes. Even oh, yeah. Good. Even though they're not written, but there's still a ton of five star ones coming in. So. Like uh, ratings coming Ratings, through, so right. Not necessarily reviews. Yeah. It's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks everybody thanks, for guys. listening. And yeah, and if you left a rating, go back and leave a review. Why not? Yeah, can tell you, us what you think. Can you hit the five star button every time you log in? Yeah, um, that would also because I do. I don't know what I do too. Yeah, I don't know if it <laughs> saves. <laughs> <or not. laughs> um, all right, Dave. What else you got? Anything on Poltergeist Enfield? No, I have nothing. Nothing. Nothing else. He's done. He has spoken. Uh, I have a shout out to our friend of the show, Nikki Johnson. Thank you for the uh, the plug for our Toy Box Killer and for uh, prepping us with some of the information and the idea for that show. We appreciate it. Um, hope you guys liked that episode last week. I thought that was a fun show. Um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Did I miss anything? At Necronomapod. Um, sh- uh, ratings, reviews. We 
appreciate on iTunes. Those go a long way to help us. And then uh, hit us up, sending us, send us a message on Instagram or on Facebook or uh, Twitter. Let us know what you think or if you have any thoughts or comments. We love interacting with you guys. So, um, yeah, we appreciate it. You guys ready for a cool down beer? <laughs> Cheers.